Hi there, I'm Michael Marvash, and this is The Dead Man's Forest, a weekly conversation about the lessons that we all have to share with one another, and of course to learn from one another. This week I share with you the first part of a couple conversations I had with friends of mine from the desert. And I will let our conversation speak for itself. Hmm. So, it is good to hear your voice. Hmm. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, everybody, this is my friend Colleen from hmm. the desert <laughs> in Death Valley. And she is here today to share some of her deep wisdom with you. Okay, thank you. So first, if we can dive right in. Yeah. Uh, can you say a few words of introduction about yourself? What would you like people to know about who Colleen is? <laughs> well, hi, everyone. And thanks, Michael, for, for having me and hearing my voice. Who Colleen is? Well, let's see. I am currently under a canopy of pine and listening to hummingbirds float all around me. I am I am in love with life and I I feel that reciprocal love around me right now. As far as who I am, mm, I am a woman who embodies love and births the sacred. <laughs> and I am here in Redstone, Colorado, a very small village in the western slope. And it's spring. And I'm happy to be here today. Yeah, we're happy to have you. Thank you. I definitely want to share with my audience. Colleen is a person who... I don't know if you know anyone like this, but she is a person who feels things very immediately. If she is happy, if her smile literally lights up the room and, and makes everyone around her feel happy. And I think that is a very special gift of Colleen's that she shares with us. So thank mm. you for being here. Thank you. Yeah. So I will start out by telling you the vision of the Dead Man's Forest to give you a little context for the question I'm going to ask you. And then I'll ask you the question and then you can share whatever thoughts come to you about it. And we will be happy to hear them. The Dead Man's Forest is, imagine first a, a broad, open, desolate wasteland, you know, with the dry, cracked, muddy ground and some stark 
mountains in the distance and a gray sky with some wisps of clouds. But the primary characteristic of this landscape is that it's totally lifeless. Nothing Mm. lives here. In the middle of the landscape sits a dead man. I mean, I say man, but it could, of course, be any person. And as we look at this dead person, desiccated and withered away in the middle of this dead landscape, but we get closer and closer and we notice surprisingly and completely out of the blue that growing out of this dead person's head and heart is this tiny forest. And it's beautiful and immaculate and rich and alive. And this is the vision that I had in Death Valley. And I knew as soon as I saw that forest that the vision was a warning to me that someday I would die. And I had in my head and my heart, as represented by the forest, beautiful wisdom and knowledge that I had learned over the course of my life. And if I didn't share it, if I didn't take those seeds and plant them in the landscape around me, then it would continue to be a wasteland. That that I had a choice to share the things that I've learned to try to grow a forest in the world around me. And I realized that that's true for everybody. Everybody has experiences, things that they have learned based on the things that have happened to them in their life that nobody else could have learned in quite the same way. And that we can all choose to share those things or to hold them inside of us until we're gone, Mm. as the vision did. And so my question for you, Colleen, is what are some of those things that are most important to you right now? What are some of the lessons that you've learned, the ways that you look at your life or the life of your loved ones that are very important to you and that you think other people might be able to benefit from hearing and from thinking about and from learning themselves? Hmm. God, I'm, I'm struck by that image that you just shared and I'm I'm really moved by it and that's the first thing I want to share as you were sharing I really allowed myself to to come into that that place of of death that place of the barren landscape that there's no life, but then when we lean in closer and closer and closer to what we what we perceive as dead, desolate, that there's the humus and there's the forest that's growing. And so I'm just left with this image of like leaning in and going right to the center, right to the center of death, to the center of the mirror of death, of this of a dead person as being human into the center of our own of our own death of our own mortality and leaning into it to hear 
the, the force that's speaking. And what I mean by the forest is all of the intricate ways in which life has lived through us. And from those intricate ways that life has lived through us, even in the most desolate landscape, we can birth life. Even in death, life is still living through us. Yeah. And so, perhaps just leaning into to our own our own death. And um, I think it's Stephen Levine says, when death makes the slightest gesture, all of our pettiness falls away. We see really clearly. And that image of the landscape that you share, it's not just a slight gesture. It's very, very present. And when we lean into it, all of the pettiness falls away. And there is that where we see clearly the life that really is here, mm. that exists. And the potential for waking up. And so I think one of the intricate ways in which life has lived through me and something that I have learned by experience, and I'm so grateful to have learned this, is to to make meaning, to allow the moments of our lives, every transition to mean something. And for me as a child, I think I, I thought that meaning would come outside of me. And as an adolescent, I thought that meaning would come outside and of my own self. But I had visions of, you know, and daydreams of how I wanted to live my life. And, and then the external environment wasn't necessarily meeting that, but I also wasn't creating it. I wasn't following that. And so I've learned that I'm responsible for really making meaning of my own life. And seeing this life as as a ceremony that I'm imbuing the meaning into with whatever support I need or I any support that is there, I'm calling it in. And, but it's my responsibility to, to, to step into that. And, and that brings me to something else about I, as a, as a child also, I had really strong vision and strong imagination. And so I wonder, you know, imagination as a, as a really young child who didn't experience, I never saw mountains as a child. I didn't see river valleys. I didn't know that the natural world existed in the way that it does as I grew up in a city. <clears throat> but I would have imagination and vision of these places and I would 
I would draw them and I would I would dance with them in, in my um, living room. And so it makes me wonder about that the heart has always known where we're to go and where I'm to go. You can speak for me. And so my heart has always kind of led me in this direction and <clears throat> logic and reason would have really been, been a paralysis to that if I followed logic and reason and, and the way things should be <laughs> according yeah. to what, I don't know what plan, but some sort of plan as prescribed by some sort of other, other than me, other than this, the spirit that lives through me and the heart that lives through me. And it was only in really just saying, letting go of any type of idea of what I should be doing, or what I should not be doing. And, and embodying what an inner yes feels like. That pulse that, to, that aligns to, <clears throat> to the natural world, to, to life, with a full yes, yes. No doubt, yes. And when doubt appears, yes is stronger than the doubt. And that the pulse continues to move us in that direction. I have found that following that pulse has been the greatest gift. I often share that sometimes I feel really, really, really blessed. Like, to have that knowing as a child that I wasn't confined to the circumstances in which I was born into, but that I could create and evolve with life and I could follow my heart. There have been many times where my parents and the culture have in the community have been like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, I don't know. But I'm, but I, but I know. But inside, there's something that knows. There's something that knows that movement and flow and life. And so I'd love to share one of the an example that's just present, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah of course. And it's a very, it's a subtle um, example. So I did, I had the opportunity to go to college. I was, um, I'm first generation college student. And, which was so rare, really rare for someone in my family of origin to go to college, to go to an undergrad. And... I really, in throughout grade school and high school, I really was not interested in education. And, and then when I realized that I could choose the educational path and go into that, I felt a real, I knew that I was to go and to, to birth a new paradigm, so to speak, <clears throat> for what is to come. And so I went to, I did my undergrad and I, I became a, became a professional educator and I immediately started teaching right after 
I graduated and I taught sixth grade English. And one morning, before I was going to school, about three years into teaching or so, maybe four, I was out for a run in the morning and something stopped me dead in my tracks. And it felt as if this a force came around my throat and just kind of like stopped me and I just started weeping and I heard the voice of my my stepfather who had passed and he it was as if he just went right into my soul and pulled up something that was that was lingering there but I wouldn't acknowledge and he said the voice said are you gonna keep doing this forever and not look at the fear? Are you gonna follow your truth? And it was in regards to teaching and being a teacher. And I had a lot of passion outside of that. I didn't, I wasn't passionate about being a teacher and there was something else calling me. But I was so afraid to even look into it And that voice just like drew every insecurity up within me and and I couldn't go back. I literally couldn't go back to the way things were from that moment. And so I that afternoon I spoke to the principal and just told him I needed a day or two. I was I wasn't feeling so great. And can I have a sub, take some personal days? Because I knew I wasn't going to continue teaching either. So I was like, I can take these personal days. And by the end of the second day, I had written my letter of resignation. I had no idea what I would be doing, what kind of income I would, nothing, nothing was aligned. No practical, nothing. My, my mother thought that maybe I needed to be checked into a hospital and I assured her that I was in full ground of where I was standing, even though I didn't know where I was going, but I, but I was making the choice really consciously and that the life force within me was telling me that there's something that I needed to go into that was calling me. and. I stayed until the end of winter, which was another month or so. And just after the last time I taught sixth grade English, I was invited to a breakfast brunch with a friend and some other friends. And um, it was a woman I knew from the community. And she had a really strong, intuitive vision and voice and she sat us down and she was like she thanked us for coming to breakfast and and she handed us these folders and she shared that she was called to take us to India and I I just started just weeping because I, I really didn't know what was going to come of this and that journey back to India and the 
the healing and the the vision that awakened that's always been there but that I awakened to was beyond any thought before I you know when I stopped dead in my tracks when I was running in the morning like I had no fucking clue what I was going to do and I was really I mean I was afraid to to say like I'm going to let go of this career this path I'm going to just let go of everything and I have no plan but I know inside of me that something is calling me into it and one thing led to another I began teaching yoga and guiding folks through uh, yoga practices more full-time I was really held by the community my former spouse at the time was had to he was then deployed and then we moved to Germany for two years and it was in Germany where my puppy and I we would go out and run in the forest every day and one day I was wondered what I was doing there in Germany and I just heard Naropa and I had heard of the sage Naropa but I didn't know that there was actually a university until I got home and I googled Naropa to read more about the sage who is, represents embodied wisdom. And I watched a video that came up first from Naropa in the contemplative education department. And I, I started weeping and I knew, I knew that, that's, that that was where I was going. I didn't know how I would get there considering I was in Germany and they didn't have any online programs at the time. And where is Naropa? In Boulder, Colorado. And I ended up coming home from Germany early. And upon returning home, I learned that there was an, a transpersonal eco-psychology program at Naropa. And it was a low residency program. So I could work from home and go twice a year. I had no clue what transpersonal eco-psychology was. <laughs> Not zero. Nor, nor I assume, do our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll get there. And I deferred the application for a year. And then the, the next year I fully applied. And on the day before my birthday, I was in Moab about to run a, a race. And I got a phone call that... My application had been accepted into the first round, and I was accepted for an interview. And then the next day, I ran this race in Moab with my dear friend. And my now husband, we didn't know it then, but he passed me in that same race. He was also just accepted to Naropa. And he passed me in the race while I was waiting for my friend to catch up. He recalls passing me and he can tell me what I was wearing. And, and so eventually I landed at Naropa and I knew that that was, this is my path. This is what I've come here to do. To, to experience my connection, our human connection with the natural world. And to know the earth as 
that which is playing through me and me playing through it and the reciprocal the reciprocal dialogue and the love that we share and at Naropa on that first day I had had a dream about a being that I would meet there who was my beloved I didn't know what what that would mean and it was on May 15th actually that I had the dream in 2015 same day as today that night I had this dream and I met this being and I would know the being by the the resonance of uh, the pulse in the heart and so my back was turned to the door I walked in and I sat in our council circle which is how we began all of our classes and I could feel after a few minutes of sitting there that the resonant pulse of the heart walked into the building and I could feel it getting closer. And I didn't know whether this being was male, female, canine, any, whatever, you know, bird, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and I felt that resonance when the door opened behind me and I turned around and, and it was my now husband. I'm going to interrupt Colleen's story here for a couple reasons. I want to make sure that I say right up front that though I think Colleen's story is at its heart a love story, it's not a romance like we might see in a romantic comedy movie. The story isn't about her and her husband exactly. It's about her and her life. And my conversation goes on for some time where she and I talk about what she learned at Naropa and how she learned how to be in touch with that inner yes that she talked about earlier, which I think is something we could all learn to listen a little more closely to if we wanted. But I'm going to stop here First, because this is a nice length for an episode of Dead Man's Forest. And second, because next week I'd like to share with you someone else's perspective on this story that Colleen is telling right now. I think it will be really special to hear the back and forth between their two perspectives on the story. So... Thanks for listening today, and I hope that you will join us next week to hear someone else's journey to this classroom at Naropa. If you have any questions or comments, please don't hesitate to reach out to me via the contact form on my website, deadmansforest.org. I am always interested in making the conversation better, so... If you have any thoughts in your head right now, please log on and shoot them my way. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.